the Saturday Night Sound Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor O'Gara. Marler, I'm back after some much-needed R&R. Yes. I gotta give the people a little peel behind the onion here. Great, great time in Dunedin. Awesome place. So glad we got to go. Spent a few days socially distancing, doing outdoor activities. Every restaurant there is, is, is making sure that people are staying far, far apart. Got to have masks on to go inside. All that stuff is, is all well and good. The thing that made me realize, Marler truly understands me. Oh, boy. For those who don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> When I go on a vacation, I have I decided last year that when I go on a vacation, I'm deleting Twitter from my phone. Yeah. We in this business have a tendency, and especially during a time like now, to use that as a source of entertainment, as a source of news, whatever you want. Right. It's very hard for me to get off Twitter for an extended period of time unless I just delete it. So I delete Twitter from my phone. I really try and disconnect while I'm on vacation. We're away for three days. I got one text from you the entire time that we I were away. I felt so bad. I felt so bad. But it it epitomized what a good quality text is. Yes. The Michael Jordan jamming on the bus that everybody's seen that by at this point. Yeah. It's not a meme. It's like it's like a viral gift. It's its clip. own handle on Twitter. It's like just Michael Jordan like listening to whatever whatever from like the last episode of Last Dance was. And yeah. you had the one the tweet where it was synced up to Return of the Mac. Michael Jordan jamming out to Return of the Mac is a text that I will gladly get 100 times out of 100. If there is going to be one thing that you send me, I mean, with the exception of maybe Horace Grant jamming out to Return of the Mac, <laughs> like, that's it right there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and it was also late. I felt bad because it was, like, late at night. No, I don't I, know if I should have done this. I actually, I have, we, were, we were watching a movie. I had my phone in the other room, so I saw it, like, right before I was going to bed. Like I just picked up my phone. I was like, "This is this is perfect." So I, now I have that video saved on my phone. I could watch it for the rest of the time. Yeah, well, shout out to Will for figuring out how to do that. I mean, I could have done that, but I did not do that. I, I sent that, and it was like, I remember one time when I was in college, one of my good buddies, John Kukius, was in a fight with his girlfriend, and he sent a text he should not have. I think I told you this story before. And we're at a Michi in Milledgeville. Shout out Josh Gentrop, um, and we like. He's sitting there, and he, he is like, obviously, he said something he shouldn't have sent, and all of a sudden throws his phone in the pitcher of beer on the table. And he goes, oh, I sent a dagger. And that was it. And then just, just lost his phone. And that's like, that, I didn't do that with my phone, but I thought about it. I was like, I don't know if I should have done that. I don't, and then just panic breathed into like a, a brown paper bag until you responded positively. So. Oh, so that was a while. Because I, I don't think I responded to that for another hour or so. We, yeah, we, thanks we a lot, bro. I mean, we went to bed probably like a little bit closer to midnight. We're on vacation, you know. We don't necessarily yeah, have to have a bedtime, but yeah, that that um, epitomized exactly. I was like, all right, Marler, Marler totally gets it. One one text while I'm on vacation, and that's it. And for people who don't know, we have group text, me, you, and Will, our producer, where we're, we text throughout the day, just to, yeah. not necessarily all about work stuff, but just very random stuff that comes up. So for you right. to show that restraint for three days. Impressed, my friend. Very I was, impressed. I was very proud of myself. I'll say that. Um, the other thing, while you were gone, so I went and played golf with one of my good buddies, Robbie Buffington. Shout out, Robbie, frequent listener of the pod, um, who I don't know when he became such a grown up, but uh, lives in a country club or like on a golf course. Dang. So it's just humble brag. And uh, we went and played some golf on um, Friday, and it was supposed to be me, him, and a couple buddies that I like went to college with. And uh, I see on Instagram, like 
the night before we're going to play, like Thursday, like nine, a picture of the, like one of the other buddies. And he's at the lake with like his whole family. Like just, I mean, he has like, in my opinion, dozens of kids. I don't know the total count, but a lot of kids, like a Partridge family type amount of kids. And so I sent him a text. And I was like, Hey man, can't wait to see you tomorrow. And then yeah, I get a phone call immediately after. And he was like, dude, I was like, did you forget? And he's like, no, I didn't forget. I just didn't go. I was like, okay, well, it's kind of wow. rude. But um, anyways, like, I'm out for golf tomorrow. So we had to get somebody to fill in. We got Tom Hart to fill in. Had a blast. Had a blast. Me, Robbie, Tom Hart played played 18 holes over at Rivermont. Um, had a really good time. It was a lot how of did, fun. How did Tom feel about being the backup plan? I didn't tell him that. So if you did not, <laughs> that would be good. Uh, that would be good for our friendship. But uh, no, it, was, it was fun, man. We had, we had a good time. Um, he's a lot better than I am, so that was cool. And I made a fool of myself with the story. I'll, I'll wait to the end of the pod to tell you how dumb I was, but Tom got a really good laugh out of it. So there's that. Why, why do you got to wait till the end of the pod to tell me that? You want me to tell you now? Yeah, go ahead. So I didn't, I didn't eat breakfast on the way out there, so I was like, I was hungry, and I was on a golf course. So I was like, I'm going to get a hot dog. You know how I am about hot dogs. I get up there, and I was like, do, do they have, like, any hot dogs up here? Or, like, or you know, like, like sandwiches or whatever? And uh, we... Pull, like we're like on seven and we pull up and and there's a girl with like she's not a cart girl but she's like sitting at one of the cor- like one of the holes with like a couple of coolers so i'm asking my buddy robbie i was like hey so like you know they're hot dogs like yeah at the turn i wasn't thinking so i just pulled up and i was like she's like hey guys you need anything cool to drink and i was like you got any hot dogs and she did not because she asked only if we want something to drink and all she had was drinks and there was a sign that said cold drinks and i'm just like blurting out like you got any hot dogs and it was I didn't realize until after we pulled off, and Tom was like, "Did you just ask her for hot dogs?" And I was like, "I don't, I don't, I wasn't thinking." And he's like, "She's gonna make fun of you for days." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna think about that moment for days." So anyway, you know, every time that we've ever been frustrated with uh, a reader of SDS or a listener who just simply did not read the headline at all, or maybe all they read was the headline, they didn't want to read anything in the story. You are that person. Yeah. You got any hot dogs? <laughs> it's not my best, my best moment. Anyway, let's get on to the actual actual show today. We have a good debate today. Uh, something that we hit on very, very briefly when we get, did our 2004 pod about undefeated Auburn, whether or not Auburn deserved a chance to play for a national championship. This is a different discussion. This is the year before that, and this is LSU versus USC. The question today is, who was more deserving of being the definitive 2003 national champion? Now, I say that because that's different than who would have won on a neutral site had they been allowed to play. They didn't get to play, of course. And as we all know, USC ends up as number one in the AP poll. LSU ends up as number one in the coaches poll. And we have split national champions, something that has been widely debated for a long time for now close to 17 years we're, we're coming on yeah 17 that's quick math yeah. yeah um but something that that lsu fans have have talked about a lot college football fans have talked about a lot we didn't get to have this game between lsu and usc so we just had to settle for co-national champions which seems dare i say at a time like now it just seems un-american Oh, wow. Um, not going to touch that. But yeah, I, I guess it is. Uh, like, we had this debate right after we got finished with the 2003, or whatever the last debate was, um, like regarding the, like this subject. And I remember being pretty adamant about 
me thinking USC deserved to be in over LSU. And I went through like the numbers and why. And I remember our producer, Will, brought up a really good point. And he's like, well, I don't even know why we're having this debate right now because it was literally based off of a system that we put in place to get the top two teams and LSU was in. So how did they, like, how do you, if, if you put a system in place, like if you, if you think about it, it's almost like if somebody didn't make the playoff and then won the rest of like whatever their bowl game was, like UCF, and they were like, you know what? Yeah, we did it. We're the national champs. And then the AP actually recognized that. That's kind of what this is like. My counter to that would be, well, they changed the system immediately after this year as a result of realizing that the system had some issues. And we, at this time, were still in a world where the BCS computers were dictating so much of this. And the BCS computers chose Oklahoma as the number one seed to play against LSU in what was called the BCS National Championship, despite the fact that going into bowl season, USC had twice as many first place votes as LSU. USC had 41 first place votes in the AP poll. Oklahoma only had two. So the BCS choosing Oklahoma it didn't matter to, to the computers that, that USC was number one in the AP poll. That was a very small part of the argument. Yeah. USC being in the number one in the AP poll before and after the bowl games were played. Oklahoma, meanwhile, number three in the AP, number three in the coaches as well, but number one in the BCS. Now, why did this happen? They're number three in the AP and in the coaches poll because they got destroyed by Kansas State. Darren Sproles, Kansas State, 35 to 7 in the Big 12 championship. But there was this thinking already at the time that Oklahoma had an automatic bid into the BCS National Championship because Oklahoma, going into conference championship weekend, was sitting there with zero losses. LSU and USC, meanwhile, had one loss apiece. So it actually was true that Oklahoma essentially had an automatic bid and nothing that happened in the Big 12 championship mattered at all. And right. the the weird thing about that is the triple overtime loss that USC had against Cal, Aaron Rodgers and his Cal team, was essentially the same degree, uh, it was the same sort of demerit that the loss Oklahoma suffered at the hands of Kansas State was. And right. that in itself showed the flaws of the BCS system. Yeah, but so and and that's that's really been my biggest question from all of this, like in this whole debate, is how why are we even arguing about these two teams? Because it seems pretty clear to me that Oklahoma should have never been in. That's part of it. That's part yeah. of it. I think there's it's, still it's though. It's very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's definitely a part of this debate. And in a perfect world, we would have gotten to see USC and LSU play on the field. We'll get into more of the reasons as mm-hmm. to why that didn't happen, the circumstances surrounding that, Much, many of which were outside of USC's control. Basically, all of them were outside of USC's control. But the thing that has been... What's, what's the right way to say this? The thing that has um, grouped these two teams, these two fan bases together for a long time is this is the last co-national champion that we had. And both of these teams, USC and LSU, won their BCS bowl games. Obviously, LSU feels more of a sense of pride in the fact that, hey, we won the BCS National Championship. That should Mm -hmm. be the only thing that matters. Right. But then there's this belief that, okay, well, when two-thirds, more than two-thirds of the AP voters decide, you know what? (laughs) 
USC was the best team in the country, and we're not going to listen to what, what some computer told us to do. We're going to listen to what our eyeballs told us to do because right. as college football fans, that's how we're programmed to think. So those two those two fan bases, I'm sure, have maybe if you're a fan of LSU and USC or like you – you have you're on one side of that argument. I'm guessing most people listening to this are on the LSU side of the argument. Yeah. And you have friends that are USC fans, and you've gotten into this fight before, something like that. That's fine. That's and I totally understand. That's I think why we need to have this discussion today because there was such a split opinion, and it wasn't like you know you can't look at the coaches poll and and say that oh well just because LSU got 60 of the 63 first place votes means that LSU was definitively considered the best team in America when as right. we know at the time coaches were contract contractually obligated to vote for the BCS national champion and three coaches went rogue and voted for USC. I don't know who those three coaches were though. I couldn't I got, find Yeah, them. I was really hoping you would know. I couldn't. That is, that is mind-blowing. See, right asked me about that too because I, maybe it's been every year since then, but we always find out who coaches voted for in those yeah. final polls. And for whatever reason, we couldn't get that piece of information out. Now, I don't know. But that is like one of the key parts of this whole thing where you're like, like I, I just assumed when I saw you put it in the notes that the next thing was going to be, and here's the list of who it was. I don't know. Um, I need to find it, that. I would have reached out if I had if I had any way of knowing who exactly those three coaches were. I would have right. tried to reach out to whichever three coaches were to be. Just be able to point, ask them point blank, like, "Hey, why'd you go rogue? What what are some of the risks associated with with doing that?" With if, going if any, rogue? I, I don't know what, what what that is, but weird I just love the phrase "going rogue." I said it a lot in the doc here. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> You'll okay. See. Like that. Um, the similarities too, besides the fact that one won the BCS national championship, one received the overwhelming majority of the AP first place votes. You had both of these teams. LSU and USC, who won BCS bowl games against top four teams, by the way, basically in their backyards too, weirdly enough, and they allowed exactly 14 points in these games. USC ended the season on a nine-game winning streak. LSU ended the season on an eight-game winning streak. Here's the crazy thing. In a year in which we're frustrated that these two teams didn't get to play, these two teams had two common opponents. Yeah. Weird. Very weird that this happened. Even weirder is what happened in those games. The two common opponents are Auburn and Arizona. That's right. USC went on the road in that season opener that we talked about, 2003, Jordan-Hare. They win that game 23 to nothing. So USC beat Auburn by 23 points. How many did LSU beat Auburn by? 24. USC, who always faces Arizona, obviously, during the regular season, they beat Arizona in the regular season by 45 who was LSU's non-conference road game that year? It was Arizona. How many did they beat Arizona by? 46 points. So all of those parallels, if you just look at on the surface, you'd say, yeah, you know what? No wonder we just have a split national champion. It kind of makes sense. But you know what? I don't like sitting there thinking that there wasn't definitively a best team or a most deserving team of the number one spot in college football. Yeah, and usually when we do stuff like this and we get into, you know, like the whole breaking down of each debate, I feel like we we find a clear-cut and definitive, um, like, answer, winner, whatever. And I don't know if we still have that. I don't know I'm if gonna we you. found that. I'm going to sell you by the end of this. I, okay. That is, uh, hey, you know what? If, if I do nothing else today besides that, 
I really done much else today besides look too much into this stuff, if we're being 100% honest. But if I do nothing else today, it is to convince you of one side of the debate. All right, before we get into even more stuff about this this 2003 season that had just a communist ending, um, Marler, please tell us about our friends at Bet Online. Oh, man, we're getting closer and closer to real sports again. We've got real things to bet on. There are more and more prop bets out right now at betonline.ag today. Uh, also, I don't know how to tell you guys this. I'm not sure what you're doing this July 4th. I know um, a lot of times it's spent eating a bunch of hot dogs, uh, going to the lake or some body of water, whatever. You might not be able to go out to as many fun places, I'll say, this July 4th. Go to betonline.ag, set up an account. They've got a weekend-long poker tournament that is going to be incredible. Uh, it's lower buy-ins, higher prize payouts. Um, so make sure you go do that today. Go to betonline.ag, tell them Uncle Chris sent you, and, uh, and there you go. Fourth of July is one of the best times for hot dogs to violate my... I, I have I have many times in this podcast said I don't think hot dogs are very efficient. I don't like yeah. them as a stadium food because I eat them in three bites and I'm like, why am I? I'm like, it's like two dollars a bite for this hot dog when I can have something right. that's much more efficient in that department. Yeah, Fourth of July, get them on the grill, boom! You, you've got unlimited hot dogs that are pretty much sitting right there waiting for you. They're not going to necessarily cost you a bunch of money. You're not paying $6, $7 a hot dog inside a stadium. Fourth of July with a hot dog and a beer. Love it. That's yeah. And a computer screen full of eight different poker tournaments. Yeah, do it, guys. <laughs> Today. Maybe get a little Peloton in beforehand. Yeah, like that's now we're talking. July. There we go. All right, what people said at the time. The final AP poll had USC getting 48 first place votes as opposed to LSU only getting 17 first place votes. The weird thing was, after USC won the Rose Bowl, which is, this is January 1st, mm -hmm. and the Sugar Bowl, the BCS National Championship that LSU and Oklahoma played in, is three days later. But at that point, it's like, okay, USC won, so based on what we knew going into bowl season, it seems like a foregone conclusion, of course, that USC is going to get the AP votes to win that argument and be number one in that. Right. So sure enough, that's exactly what happens. Immediately after the Sugar Bowl, that becomes official. And this split national champion is widely accepted by, you know, LSU players eh, to a certain extent. But USC actually picked up six first place votes after the Sugar Bowl was played. Which you think about that on the surface, you're like, wait a minute. But LSU won the BCS National Championship. Right. Why would USC pick up first place votes in the AP poll? This doesn't make sense. LSU lost four first place votes because, and they Oklahoma gave away two first place votes essentially because they lost to LSU. So that's how USC picked up those six votes. There were more people that were impressed with what USC did, beating mm -hmm. Michigan by two touchdowns as opposed to beating. LSU beating Oklahoma by a touchdown in New Orleans. We could get into whether or not that's justified, but that's not necessarily the main point right. of this discussion. The coaches poll, as I said, LSU has the 61st place votes and USC only has the three first place votes, but that's actually impressive because it came because of three coaches going rogue. Okay. What we need to remember too about you know that whole discussion and why LSU is 
could potentially somehow lost votes, lost first place votes right. in the AP poll. Why it all of a sudden wasn't at least more of a 50-50 split. LSU won in a, in a different sort of way and wasn't necessarily didn't necessarily win like USC won, which was with a you know a worthy Heisman finalist and finished sixth in the Heisman voting at quarterback with this you know this staple of young promising tailbacks, which LSU was talented in the backfield, but LSU was built on the defense. Everybody knows yeah. that was a, a number one defense in the country. I mean, what they did to Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl was incredible. And I think we've talked about this before, but Jason White, just in case you forgot what his line was that day, and this is the Heisman oh, winner. This is the number three offense in the country. 13 to 37 for 102 yards. That's 2.8 yards per attempt. 2.8! It's be better. Good. I mean, you get more as a runner than you do passing with that. I mean, yeah. No touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Marcus Spears, yeah, that's right. Marcus Spears, Swagoo, shout out to him. He had more touchdowns that day than Jason White because he had a pick six to start off the second half. And when he gets that pick six, Brent Musburger has this this line on the broadcast where he goes, and suddenly the Sooners are down two touchdowns, which was basically like Brent saying, this feels over because they're not going to score that many points. And sure enough, they didn't. Yeah, and so what was weird about this too is like you talk about like the similarities. They close out the season where you talk about the winning streak, where LSU had won eight in a row, nine in a row. Eight LSU, in a row. LSU had won eight in a row. USC had won nine in a row. Um, they had both lost to, to unranked teams. Both of them lost after having a week off to an extra week off to prepare. Both of them lost to teams that went on to win eight games too. Yeah, well, that's not as impressive, but yes, okay, um, or as as coincidental, but exactly eight wins, yeah. Yeah, okay. So they did um, They did have a lot of similarities. They closed out the season. USC wins nine in a row by a point or by an average uh, of 25 points per game. Every, average. Everyone by at least 20. Yeah. Um, LSU was 22. Like So it's, again, I know it's not the debate, but or, Oklahoma should have never been in the BCS national title game. I, I kind of understand why they were because of the fact that they had a Heisman Trophy winner. And, you know, we, we've talked about this before. The 2000, was it the 2000? No, I guess it was 2006. We talked about the stuff with uh, Ohio State, how they entered the year, ranked number one. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to knock them off that pedestal. Yep. Um, I understand how USC could have gained some extra votes at the end of, I guess, after after their, um, their win in the Rose Bowl. Because Michigan was a team that had... You know, it's first off, it's Michigan. They're also a top four team. And at the time, you didn't see as many of these, all right, well, they're both of these teams that are in question are going to play a top four team, like, like the playoffs would be, right? Michigan had beaten five ranked teams. They had an incredible resume. They, were, they won the Big Ten. They were a 10-win, 10-win team. But I guess I understand how that happened. But also, you have this time where you have, at the time, the SEC is not considered really the dominant conference. And it's also a, a, a time where you have you start out the season, like you said, going on the road to Auburn and beating the brakes off an Auburn team for USC. So how impressive is that win that you have for, um, what do you call it, for, uh, for Auburn as well? Anyway. You bring up the SEC point, and Marquise Hill, LSU defensive lineman, brought that up afterwards as well, where he says, we play in the SEC. We're used to playing smash-mouth football, real football. Jason White wasn't anything we hadn't seen before. Man, that that says a lot. And I think for LSU, in a weird way, though, beating Oklahoma and limiting them mm-hmm. 
in a weird way served as some confirmation bias because we had just seen it happen against Kansas State. Where if Kansas State had maybe won that game like, I don't know, 35, 28 or something like that, and then LSU goes out and does that, maybe that changes at least more minds of AP right. voters. And there's a little bit more of a discussion of, hey, we need to actually consider this. And the other thing that we don't know with this is how many people, because I guarantee you there were several, just mailed their vote in after that that Rose Bowl, January 1st. And like, yeah. you know what? USC's done everything I needed to see. I don't care what happens in the Sugar Bowl. I don't care if it's called the BCS National Championship. I, I think USC is the best team in the country, and I'm giving them my vote for number one. And the reason we have to have this discussion is because you bring up the point about Oklahoma not being worthy of making it in. If the same system voted Oklahoma in, also declared that LSU was worthy of being called the BCS National Champion, then it, there's, there's, there's flawed logic in it. And that's the reason that the system was questioned so much immediately after this. Well, and you have to also look at, like, when, when you're talking about these teams and who deserves to get in, because, again, LSU and USC were the teams that you were debating. Oklahoma, for whatever reason, like, they were good. They were, I mean, I, I understand that we've had SEC teams, mainly Bama, that have lost late in the season and then somehow backdoored their way into a, uh, you know, a national championship or the playoffs, like sometimes not even playing in the SEC championship. I totally get that. There's a difference between that and having like a fluke loss like USC and LSU kind of did uh, uh, to teams that I think they were a lot better than at the end of the season. There's a difference between that and also having an Oklahoma team that got boat raced in the last week of the season to a team they shouldn't have and then kind of excusing like, well, you know, they were also 12-0 and they had the Heisman Trophy winner. I think that did way more for their argument than anything else. So when you're looking at the argument and who deserves to get in, the argument that the BCS was making, it came down to, hold on, you have it in the notes. Um, it came down to the Hawaii-Boise State game. Let's get into that. Okay. Yeah. How close was LSU to not getting that opportunity, to missing out to uh, of playing in the Sugar Bowl because of USC? This is how ridiculous the BCS was at this point. And uh, Jerry Palm, who does great projections for CBS Sports, he does the bowl projections. I think he does bracketology mm -hmm. as well. But he, uh, I read a story of his where he said he remembered staying up until 3 in the morning to watch Hawaii and Boise State on that December 6th day. Why? Because the winner of that game was going to determine who was going to play Oklahoma in the BCS National Championship. What a weird set of circumstances it had to be for Oklahoma sitting there being like, or not Oklahoma, but for USC and LSU to be sitting there like, hey, we we need one of these teams. This game that's going on at 3 a.m., we need, um, it was Hawaii. If Hawaii had won, USC was going to be in, and then Boise State winning obviously means that, that right. LSU was in, and Boise State won that game. So why were why was it coming down to this? Because that, that in itself seems ridiculous. Like, that game is for degenerates who have nothing else to do. I love it. They, they, they're, you know what, they, they've got, they need to be able to make some of their stack back by the end yeah. of Saturday nights. I don't know, I don't think they're betting a unit on that game, but, you know. It depends, it depends on how the day it went, Connor. And it also depends. you have to realize, too, just from a, a strictly a betting standpoint here, that's the end of the season. Yeah. Just wait until bowl season. So, you know yeah. what, might as well, might let, as well. Anyway. Let it all hang out. Yeah. LSU strength. <laughs> LSU's strength of schedule is 
better than USC's. So going into conference championship weekend, LSU had a game against Georgia. They beat Georgia. LSU's strength of schedule by virtue of winning that game goes from 57th to 29th. USC's strength of schedule, which was very important in the BCS formula, stayed at 37. So LSU leapfrogged. Why did that happen? Because USC actually won a game. They beat Oregon right. State that weekend. Who was a who was a decent team? Decent went team went to a bowl. The top top thirty offense. I think eight wins that year too. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. with Mike Riley. Um, but circumstances outside of USC's control didn't work. In addition to not getting the result they needed in against with the Hawaii Boise State game, they also had Notre Dame losing to Syracuse. Now, why did that matter for USC? USC, of course, had beat Notre Dame. By Notre Dame not beating Syracuse, Notre Dame was stuck on five wins, didn't play in a bowl game, didn't have any way of improving that strength of schedule as well. So LSU and USC are separated by 0.16 in the pre-bowl BCS standings. LSU was at 5.99 and USC was at 6.15. So that shows you why the BCS was, in theory, maybe maybe a good idea to a certain extent. Trying to strip down the biases. You know I'm all about that. I want to look mm-hmm. at the resumes, stuff like that. Strength and schedule matters. But if that's what we're going to, to determine who should play for a national championship, we've gone wrong somewhere. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, and I, I don't even know how to begin with this one because what's frustrating about this is like one like you look at this game you look at this game so hawaii was a top 15 offense right so naturally looking at like some of the stats um and and side by sides of lsu and usc i wanted to look and see how how each of them looked against top 30 offense versus top 30 defense against hawaii top 30 offense they gave up 32 points so they were being very strictly judged uh just under a microscope here of they gave up 32 points to a hawaii team um that did win nine games. Um, I, th- I think it was nine games. Was it? Yeah, they were nine and five. And they also gave up 462 yards of offense. Now, I remember having this argument or, and hearing this argument with SEC fans and LSU fans and that number one defense in the country versus how bad USC's defense was or how USC wasn't that good because, dude, they gave up this many points to a Hawaii team. Because that, yeah, again, was the defense. Yeah, sure, they did. Um, that Hawaii team scored... They had 120 yards of offense of the 462 total and and 12 points of the 32 against USC. They they put that up in the last two minutes of the game. Love it. They scored on a <laughs> on a drive with two minutes to go, kicked an onside kick, and then literally threw a 59 yard hail mary to to put up the 12 point. And that but that was something with this system with the BCS. That was something that was actually being looked at against USC. And and. You really like you look back at it like the playoff is not perfect by any means. The committee's not perfect. There's gonna have inherent like biases like I think anywhere. However, this the BCS system it, it kind of shows you how just maddening at times it could be because you have computers you're just crunching numbers, crunch them again, crunch them again. <laughs> um, and it's it's it was really frustrating because again the the side by side and I, I will just maintain this throughout the entire argument. The side by side of USC and LSU is it's really hard to figure out in my opinion who really deserved like more between those two teams to get in yeah the the side by side with oklahoma it's like what like what why why did they why are we rewarding this anyway it's it's so weird the the things that were 
that weren't necessarily valued at the time. Like I, I still can't get over the whole, yeah, a 35 to seven loss to Kansas State was the same as a triple overtime loss to, to Cal on the road. Like I, I, I still, it blows me away. And, and I, I actually, you know what? I'll say this about the voters because I'm gonna, I, I have a bone to pick with them a little bit later on, but I'll, I'll give them credit for at least being like, yeah, why am I just gonna listen to what a computer ranking is cranking out and not trust what my my eyes are telling me based on what I've seen? I like the fact right. that they're at least willing to do that. There was still, in my opinion, a flaw in the logic to a certain extent with some of the decisions that they made down the stretch, but we'll save that for a little bit later on. Tom Rinaldi, I didn't even realize he was doing the Sugar Bowl back in 2003, by the way. Yeah, I, I saw him in, in some of the post-game videos and stuff like that. I was like, oh, hey. Didn't realize that you've been around for almost two decades now. He asked Lionel Turner, LSU uh, LSU linebacker, um, on the field, post-game celebration. He's like, how much would you want to play USC in one more game for the end of the season? Like, that was already very much out there at that time of like, hey, everybody wants to see this happening. Yeah. Um, and he said, I'd love to have the chance to play USC to see who really is number one. So, along those lines... The CEO of Gateway Computers, here's a throwback for you. Wow. Famously offered up what was north of $30 million to make a USC LSU game happen in late January. The money would have given uh, been given to the school scholarship funds. You would have had like $10 million apiece going to the schools, which is like, you know, kind of the same, seems like a bowl game sponsor or something like that. Would have had an additional $10 million bucks going to the winner, you know, a million bucks in Gateway products and stuff donated to the winner, all those things. NCAA is like, nah, we're not going to do that. Can't do that. Which, okay, I get it. But here's the problem that I have with the, the reasoning for not wanting to do that. This is via Miles Brand, who is the NCAA president. was also the president at my alma mater, Indiana University, before That's he was right. president of the NCAA. He said, anyone who believes that higher education would jump at a cynical publicity stunt are mistaken and missing the point. This is exactly the type of inappropriate intrusion that I warned the membership of. It puts all the emphasis on intercollegiate athletics as entertainment and erodes the critical concept that the welfare of the student athlete is paramount. Okay. The irony in that statement is just all over the place. It's yep. there. It, it is absolutely there. Uh, Miles Brand is the same guy who, after CNN had the video of Bobby Knight choking a player in practice, put Bobby Knight on a zero-tolerance policy. So I don't want to hear about Miles Brand telling me about the yeah. welfare of the student-athlete, all right? Don't want to hear about that. A year earlier in the national championship, you famously had Miami players popping open bags of Tostitos, Sonoris, Sonoris Moss outlined in the 30 for 30, where you know Miami players are celebrating a national championship and then they see the flag. But they made sure they had those Tostitos bags down on the sideline because... Right. God forbid the NCAA misses an opportunity to have some product placement. The same organization that doesn't allow you to have a different cup on the sideline when you're at an NCAA tournament game, and they have to have their exact design corporate cups in front so that, yep. God forbid, the camera gets a sponsor for a brief millisecond that doesn't have anything to do with them. But no, the NCAA is going to stand by its principles, and it's going to want to make sure that it's all about the student-athlete and not about making money and giving the people what they actually want. By the way, the NCAA during this time said, oh, we can't have any games played after January 4th. Three years later, that was out the window. The NCAA during the playoff era has been playing games through January 7th through January 13th. Three years was all it took for them to throw that out the window and decide NCAA. that didn't matter. So the NCAA, for them to stick their foot 
down and say, no, we're, we will not give everybody what right. they want to see for that reasoning. Come on. Because man. of the system in place that we approved that, that <laughs> right? somehow messed this up. And also, <sighs> by the way, we, it's one of the reasons it's further messed up is because we had three coaches who were, had a contractual agreement to not do this still did it. Do they have any penalty? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I, I mean, like the NCAA is such a joke, and it always has been. And and you have again, you you can kind of see now. I know that I've like kind of been hard on Oklahoma, and I still think with good reason because we saw what happened to them. In I, I don't even want to use just the national championship game, but I would say in the um, what do you call it in the the Big 12 championship game. Prior to that game, they were three and zero against ranked teams. They didn't play anyone inside the top ten, but they they were three and zero against ranked teams. They beat those three ranked teams by an average of 39 points per game. Pretty good. And their last, the last team they played that was ranked before this, uh, what do you call it, before this Big 12 championship was, what was it, um, November 1st, Oklahoma State. So they actually had, in a four-week span, they played Texas, Mizzou, Colorado, and Oklahoma State. Mizzou, Texas, and Oklahoma State were all ranked, right? Now, to be fair, two of those were at home. One was a neutral site, obviously the Texas game, where they beat the brakes off of them. Um, I, I, that's, that's an impressive resume to an extent. I will say the, the whole cliche and, and just adage for SEC fans of, well, you haven't played an SEC defense and you haven't played teams like this or this physical. I feel like, and I hate to be that homer, it kind of came true when you talk about it's what it. LSU's defense looked like. And now, like, like, let's look at a side-by-side of, of what each of these teams each of these teams look like, okay? LSU, their defense ranked number one in scoring defense, number one in yards per play, uh, number one in total defense and yards allowed, number three in rushing defense, and number 18 in passing defense, okay? That's just yards allowed. Also, the passing defense numbers, they're still ranked number two in the country overall in, in opponent's completion percentage, allowing 44% per game. Um USC's defense, they were ranked 17th in scoring defense. Uh, they were ranked 30th in total yards allowed. They gave up 336 yards, which was about 85 more a game than LSU. Um, they were ranked first, actually, in, in rushing defense. Uh, yards, per, yards per game allowed, only 60. Um, and then 110th in passing defense, allowing 276 yards to the air a game. Now, before LSU fans get excited about that, I'm not sure how incredible Matt mock would have been in this game um but we'll get to that later from an offensive standpoint uh lsu ranked 19th in scoring offense at 34 points per game 31st in total yards per game 27th in rushing yards per game and 43rd in pass passing yards per game usc and this is where i think they got a lot of voters is that they were a team that the defense was pretty good it was it was a top 20 defense uh that was ranked number one in the country against the run and and they boat raced teams after that california loss however they were also ranked fifth in the country in scoring offense, averaging 41 points per game. 14th, so top 20, in total yards per game with 447 yards per game. Um, 13th uh, in passing yards per game and like 58th in the run. They were a very exciting team. They had a lot of weapons. Mm-hmm. They knew how to use those weapons. They got they, they were, a, I don't want to say flashy, if that's the right word, because they were also a very dominant defense in, in some aspects. But that team was more exciting to watch than LSU. And we do this thing, too, with traditional powers returning to prominence. Yep. Where it gets everybody, like, 
it puts everybody on notice in a yep. different sort of way. And USC is, is a great example of that. And I understand that they had success in 2002 and they had the Heisman Trophy winner with Carson Palmer that previous year. I mean, at the same time, like when you're competing for a national championship and you're in that hunt, yeah, it's 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 just a little bit of a different discussion when it comes to that and when that's a possibility as opposed to you know the previous year in 2002 yeah that team finished number 4 in the country but they suffered two early season losses they suffered two losses by October 5th so yep. you essentially didn't have that oh is USC worthy of playing for a national championship type of discussion whereas in 2003 it definitely became legitimate okay you, you brought this up, and I, I, I think this is, like I said, a separate discussion. Not the ultimate question that I want answered here today, but something that is at least on my mind. I'm sure it's on your mind. It was on the mind of Corso and Herb Street. I watched the, the Sports Center after where they, they talked about the breakdown of all this stuff and, and who would actually be, you know, who would actually match up well against two if this game were actually played. Corso said that he thought USC would beat LSU anywhere maybe with the exception of New Orleans. So Herb Street kind of calls him out for that because he's like, oh, you've changed your opinion in the last day. After right. watching the Sugar Bowl, essentially, you've, you've now made that declaration, which is kind of backwards, but Herb Street agrees with him. And Herb Street says, yeah, if I were picking a team to win, I think USC is the better all-around team, and I would pick them to win over LSU. But the main point that those two guys wanted to make was like, look, we need change. We need change. Even Stuart Scott, when he did the opening intro for, for SportsCenter, was like, he had this this fantastic, fantastic intro. I miss Stuart Scott so, so yeah, much. It was awesome. His intro where he's like, how sweet the sugar is, but does a shared national title only taste half as good? And what is the BCS doing to fix this thing? That says it all, like right there. That is that is everything. Yeah. So, yes, there was outrage about the system that didn't give us what we wanted. But in the back of our minds, there's that intrigue of, well, what would that have looked like? And based on your research, because based on what you've just told me, you've looked into this more than I have because I, yeah. I, I've tried to, to focus a little bit more resume type stuff. On things that matter. <laughs> things that I decided matter. I guess they don't yeah. really matter only because I say they do. How would you pick that game? How would you think that USC versus LSU? Let's just say, let's just say that it's being played. I don't know in, in Dallas. How do you think that yeah. game goes? Um, well, I mean, Dallas, you got to think too. In January, it's cold. It's gonna be cold, so you got to you got to factor that in. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I'm kidding. So one more thing, real quick about Oklahoma, and I think before we move on to just this argument, this might have been also one of the determining factors. That team was ranked in the top five in the country in total defense and total offense. And I think maybe that's another reason why they were given the benefit of the doubt, even though they possibly probably shouldn't have uh, been given the benefit of the doubt. I, regardless, if you lose 35-7 to 7 to somebody like that, like, I mean, LSU lost 19-7 to 7 to Florida at home, which that's bad enough, in my opinion. But when you lose, like, I mean, what? USC lost on the road at Cal to a Cal team that wasn't great in three overtimes. I don't, like, I hate to say who had the best loss, but, like, how does that not factor in at all with, with a team like Oklahoma? Oklahoma was the unanimous number one team going into bowl season. Unanimous. Had every single AP vote. That's crazy. First place vote. So That's crazy. If you think about what has to happen in order for that to change, in order to change the minds of so many, 
they go from having all the the first place votes to only having two after that game. Right. So eyes changed, opinions changed, but eyes, as we know, were different than what the computers thought. All right. So if we're looking at this team, right? Um, the or these two teams, who wins that game? LSU so I, and, and USC. That is LSU and USC. So you look at it. USC played only against two top thirty defenses. Uh, they only played against four top thirty offenses. Um, on the other on the other hand, you have LSU who played. They only played against four different top thirty defenses because UGA was ranked third overall, but they played them twice. Okay. Um, so I guess technically you say five. And they played against top three top thirty offenses. Those top thirty offenses, they they it wasn't anything spectacular. They they held those three teams to around seventeen points per game and held um, all of them or held uh, them to an average of around two hundred and twenty eight yards per game. That's outstanding. Mm-hmm. That that's outstanding. Um, where I think this game would possibly come down to, I think, like you would say, in any big game. Uh, is turnovers, and I think that's that's important to look at because again, these two teams are so similar. I, I just went over the, like the, the top thirty offensive defenses faced. They each played seven bowl teams, or I mean, USC played seven bowl teams. They were six and one against them. Uh, LSU played six bowl teams. They were five and one against them. Their their opponents win loss record. Their opponents win loss record um, overall. I think it was eighty five and seventy nine for USC. It was so basically six and a half. Each team was around six and a half and, and six uh, for the season. And then LSU's was 77 and 76. LSU's non-conference schedule early on, especially, their first couple of games were all against really bad teams. I mean, their their first three FBS teams they played were a combined five and 31, uh, which is not great. That being said, we talk about the what would, what it would come down to if they actually played each other. I look at the turnovers that USC team was so opportunistic. They were so opportunistic. They were third in the country in total turnovers gained, okay? Um, they had 42 total turnovers, and they had three or more in nine of their 13 games. They had four or more, Connor, in seven of their 13 games played. So, in, yeah, four or more turnovers in half of your games, um, and that's important in my opinion because LSU was ranked 83rd in the country in turnovers lost. Matt Mock was not exactly, how do I want to say this? Great. He wasn't exactly um, lock it down, make sure I never give this thing away with the football. Um, He made some decisions that even just watching that Sugar Bowl back, you're like, ah, no, no, this, this doesn't make sense right now. But at the same time, I do think that you bring up the opportunistic ways of the USC defense. Let's also not forget that LSU's defense, seven defensive touchdowns that year. They scored yep. nine touchdowns in atypical fashion. I think it was it was either nine. I think they scored 11 touchdowns in atypical fashion because they also had like two punt returns. Or no, it was nine. It was nine total that they scored in non-offensive ways, which is a ridiculous feat yep. to do that in, over the course of a season. And as we saw, they could have defensive lineman like Marcus Spears to drop back into coverage and pick off a pass like that. They were Johnny on the spot. They brought pressure. They trusted their corners to be able to cover in space on the outside. Corey Webster was so good for that team. First team All-SEC guy. And that was what Saban built USC on. So how would USC... or Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. How would USC have responded to that? With Matt Leiner, 
and the offensive skill players that he had around him, which were still very, very young. And the key thing to remember is because I know a lot of people are going to hear this and think, wait, we're talking Matt Liner, Lendell White, Reggie Bush, Mike Williams. These guys are these guys are incredible college yeah. players. Keep in mind, this is Matt Leinart as a sophomore, Lendell White as a sophomore, Reggie Bush as a freshman. I think Mike Williams was a sophomore at this time, but still very, very good at this point. But when you're talking about playing a game on this stage, at this magnitude, how would those guys have fared against LSU's number one defense, which in my opinion was still better than anything that they had seen all year? I think that's a fair thing to at least question. Yeah, that's fair. And, and, and again, you can look at their top 30 defenses uh, faced overall. Um, they only played two. They played Michigan yeah. with the 11th best uh, scoring defense and Washington State with 23rd. They averaged, let me see here, um, 423 yards in those per game, and they averaged uh, 35 points per game. So not bad, but that's, that's not the same. That's just not the same as what an LSU defense that's this well-rounded. And to be honest, you look at the way LSU finished the season. I know, I know that, you know, we talked about like the win streak and all that kind of stuff, but you look at like really get into some of these games, um, playing, playing an Auburn team and, and beating them 31 to seven, playing uh, Bama obviously was, was trash. They beat them 27 to three, Arkansas 55 to 24, um, Georgia, who at the time was the number five team in the country. And, and I don't think a lot of people necessarily thought, you know what, LSU is going to win in a cakewalk. They'd already played them once. It's hard to beat a team twice, and, and they, they beat them earlier. They beat them thirty-four to thirteen, um, and looks really, really good doing it. Um, you know, being able to hold a team like putting up over four hundred fifty yards of offense against that team, and, and being able to limit them on offense as well. I have a hard time. Like I, I think USC was playing with so much swagger. They had so much talent all over the field, and they were really, really good as the season ended. I have a hard time believing that given giving Saban 40 days to prepare. That's another point. Good point. If they yeah. play it in New Orleans, it's 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 not close. And, like, I mean, it's just not. And, and again, like, I, I know that I've, I've crapped on Oklahoma a lot, and I think with good reason, because they should have never been in with that loss. But a top-five offense and a top-five defense. I mean, that defense was ranked – the offense ranked third Oklahoma's overall. defense is really good. Go back they, and watch – seriously, go back and watch the Sugar Bowl. If you're telling yourself, oh, yeah, you know what, Big 12 defense, just kind of same old, same old. Oklahoma's D was flying around yep. all over the place. They were at a very different level back in the early 2000s than what we've come to know today. Yeah, and and I, I remember having this conversation and bringing this up with somebody a while back, and I was like, you know, um, I, I was pretty staunch at saying, I personally think that they would have, that USC would have beat LSU. I thought I thought they were the better team. And, and to be fair, I had looked up all of USC's stats to back that up. I had not done like a deep dive into what LSU had done. And I remember somebody saying to me, they were like, it, I was like, you know, they beat Oklahoma by seven points. Look what USC did of this, this, and this. And because like they, the three ranked teams they had played that season, they'd only played three, remember that. Um, and they beat them, but they beat them by an average of like 31 to 10. What, like, well, I think the response I got from somebody was like, you need to go back and like look at the actual game itself because that game against Oklahoma that LSU had was not nearly as close as the score said. I mean, to give up 154 yards of offense to a team that was averaging around, I don't know, almost like 500 probably if they were ranked in the top five, that's incredibly impressive. And I know that there are going to be people who are going to be like, well, they had a chance to win it in the final three minutes of that game. If Jason White doesn't overthrow going off his back foot to a wide open, to a wide open uh, pass catcher in the end zone, I'm blanking on who it was. You know, they, they tie up that game. But, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's, 
Oklahoma's two scoring drives in that game started on the two-yard line and the 31-yard line, both one of which came via a block punt, the other which the came from Matt Mock. two and 31. Yes, yes, the opponents yep. two and 31. Their scoring drives totaled 33 yards that game. So, yeah, LSU's defense was suffocating. There's no doubt in my mind about that. The worst take that you can have about this debate. USC was more deserving because it became a dynasty. What do I what do I always say? Because I think there are gonna be people who are gonna look at this and just say, you know what, USC, way more talent, deserving of this. Look what they did in 2004, look what they did in 2005. That team was loaded. As I always say, what happens after is irrelevant. The goal of this debate is to put us in the position of the pollsters voting right after the Sugar Bowl. That's what we're trying to figure out. USC's win streak for this discussion is nine. It's not 34, which I realize they won 34 straight games after the Cal loss, which is an incredible thing. It's amazing. But we can't use anything 2004, 2005 related to this argument. LSU shouldn't get punished for for losing three games a year later. So why would we reward USC for winning all those games thereafter? So I wanted to get that out there because there might be people who just think of USC during this time as so unbelievably dominant that they just want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, well, the computers robbed them, therefore they were the most deserving team. There are other things to remember with this. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think that like when we when we look at some of these USC teams as well, keep in mind like this, like you said, this is not the 2004, 2005 USC team teams that were so dominant. Like if this was 2005. Uh, or maybe even 2004 USC playing against 2003 LSU, then yeah, we might have we might have something a little bit different to say. I, I would probably not be um, agreed. Yeah, I, I mean that's I, I think we would probably be having a different dis- discussion. That being said, when you look at this team specifically, this this uh, what do you call it? This USC team, they had a lot of talent for sure, but they were really young. I mean, they were really really young, mm-hmm. like Lindell White and. And um, Reggie Bush both being, I think, sophomores at the time. Um, Reggie Bush was a freshman at the time. A freshman, okay, yeah. Um, Leinert is a sophomore. You do have, yeah. Oh, and so is Linda White. They were both. They were both freshmen. Oh, he was Mike a Williams too. Wow. Yeah. Mike Williams uh, at receiver. He was a sophomore. He might have been a redshirt sophomore as well. Because um, I remember him being him and Steve Smith um, really, really like kind of showed out in that uh, mm-hmm. in that Rose Bowl. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I don't think. That this is one of those teams where it's like they're unbeatable. They are absolutely unbeatable. And we had seen that earlier. If you lose to a Cal team that really wasn't that great, um, and, and they had already lost them, you know, at, at the, in the beginning of the year. So they also and one thing about this USC team is as great as we want to say they they were, they didn't play. They they again only played three ranked teams all year. That first game uh, of the season against um, against Auburn, um, and then they didn't play another ranked team for two full months. Like they, they didn't play another ranked team until they got to November. So. I, have some, I have some more thoughts on that in a bit. Okay. The thing that I didn't know slash forgot about until researching this, um, there, there were a lot of things, I'll be honest, that kind of slipped past me. And I'm like, wait a minute, why, 2003, why, why do I not remember this, this year quite as well in college football? Because I remember 2002 a decent amount. I remember watching, the, I remember exactly like sitting in my family room watching the Heisman Trophy ceremony with Carson Palmer being like, oh, USC is yeah. back. USC is really good. Um, thinking to myself, like, what was going on in 2003? Oh, yeah. You're probably upset because Bama's on probation and went 4 and 9. No, not quite that. Not, not okay, that. Never mind. Um, 
Bartman happened in October. Oh, yeah. And I'd, I think, I'm pretty sure I remember yeah. 13-year-old Connor just, like, being like, hey, live sports for the next two, three months? I'm just not going to do it. Not yeah. going to do it. Don't feel like it. Reason. My heart That's is just fair. shattered. So some of these details kind of slipped my mind. And I remember all those things about LSU and just even, like, some of the, some of the stuff about LSU being really young. If you look at some of the freshmen on that team, where mm-hmm. Marcus Russell is still really young, it's Wayne Bowe on that team as well. And they had a lot. Laron Landry, who was a young and, and up-and-coming player, he was playing at this point. By the way, yeah. during this entire time, I resisted the rabbit hole urge of looking up pictures of Laron Landry's arms. Didn't do yeah. it. Didn't do it. Big pat on the back for that. That's Yeah, you deserve that. That's good. Uh, true freshman Reggie Bush was the third leading rusher on USC. Did not know that at all. Did not know that. Hold on. Lendell White was the leading rusher on that team. 754 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns. Herschel Dennis was the second leading rusher on that team. Herschel Dennis, not spelled the same way. Not spelled the same way as the other Herschel. The only Herschel that matters in terms of college football. But Reggie Bush had 521 rushing yards as a freshman that year. And somehow, some way, he only had 15 catches out of the backfield. That just seems wrong. That's ridiculous. That yeah. should never happen. Um, I don't care how old I'm looking up their actual their their uh, media guide because I wanted to see something real quick. Um, their coaching staff had, I'm pretty sure this is correct, and I of course I can't uh, see all of them right now, but um, I'm pretty sure their coaching staff was Kiffin, Ed Orgeron, and I believe uh, Sarkeesian was on it too. I believe that you are correct. Yes, that all three of those guys were. Oh yeah, Norm Chow as well. Yeah, Norm Chow, and yeah, Norm Chow was the the offensive coordinator of that team. It wasn't even Lane or, or Sark yet. That's how young those guys were. It's crazy at the time. Yeah, the team was was crazy, crazy loaded. Other thing that I forgot, USC, despite the fact that they were loaded, filled with some of the best college players we've seen in the 21st century. That year, they did not have anyone finish in the top five of the Heisman voting. Now, keep in mind, this is in the middle of a stretch in which they had three Heisman winners in a four-year stretch. Carson Palmer, 2002, Matt Leiner, 2004, Reggie Bush, 2005. Well, eh, depending on what's vacated, what's not. Right. During this stretch, though, during this year, they didn't have anybody finish in the top five in the Heisman voting. You had Leiner finish sixth. You had Mike Williams finish, I believe, yeah, he finished eighth. Jason White, of course, wins the Heisman, barely beats out Larry Fitzgerald, the pit receiver who is just insanely good. If you ever want to go down oh a, a YouTube rabbit hole, look up Larry that Fitzgerald College Very highlights. well deserved. Gosh. Amazing, though, that despite that, despite the fact that Jason White wins the Heisman Trophy ahead of guys like Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Leiner and all these guys who are such big household names, mm-hmm. LSU losing first place votes in the AP poll after beating the Heisman Trophy winner, making him look really look bad. awful. It's yeah, that, that makes no sense to me. That, that, that one still makes no sense to me. I get it. Like, if you want to be, like... I, I think that just strictly comes down to people wanting USC to, to because of the, the brand name. Because, again, at the time, and I'm not trying to say this, I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound here to LSU fans, but so this is year four of Saban? Saban this is, is year a, four, yep. He has not established himself as, yeah, like we're a, he's a, one of the best coaches in the game of football. Like Bob Soups is coming off of a national championship in 2000. He's constantly in the top ten. 
Pete Carroll um, is, like you said, kind of trying to bring this dynasty back or this this storied program back. Um, and that LSU team, before Saban got there, again, eight losing seasons in the 11 years before Saban got there. So it's not like anyone is like, well, you know what? I, I, I think this LSU team, if that's a story program. That's that's a, a place with a lot of like legend and lore. Had it like, won a no. national title in four decades. Right. So I think that was probably a factor as well. I think people, I, I think also people had to have turned their votes in early. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. Know. There's just no way. All right. Where does Marler stand? Or do you want me to share... Yeah, you go first. All right, I'll share. I'll share my point. See if I can sway you on one side of this thing. So, there's all the similarities there. The the loss, in my opinion, yeah. If you want to get into semantics, twelve point loss is different than a triple overtime loss. I always say the strength of loss not as important to me. I look at the three things that I always break down when it comes to the playoff discussion that we talk about on a weekly basis during the season when the playoff poll comes out. Wins versus Power 5 teams with winning records. Wins versus final AP Top 25 teams. And average margin of victory versus Power 5 teams. I compare it USC and LSU side by side. Wins versus Power 5 teams with winning records. USC had four. LSU had six. Wins versus teams ranked in the final AP Top 25. The final AP Top 25. USC had two. Yep. LSU had four. Average margin and of that's, victory. And by the way... That's not including a Georgia team that finished, I believe, in the top ten. No, that is that is including them. But they, but they beat them twice. So it's I not... know that's it's just total wins. Oh damn it! Yeah, Connor. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate what you're what you're doing, yeah, but no, I, we don't we don't even need that point. Average margin of victory versus Power Five teams: USC twenty two point six, LSU nineteen point three. Pretty similar, and when you consider the fact that LSU beat twice as many teams who are ranked in the final AP Top 25, I'd argue that that's actually more impressive from the LSU standpoint than it is the USC standpoint. Yeah. Before I say this, do not punish USC for a lack of trying when it comes to scheduling. They did their best. Everything they possibly could have to set themselves up to play for a national championship if the computers failed them. Yep. They went on the road and faced Notre Dame. They went on the road and faced Auburn. They, and to their credit, they beat them both like drums, but everything outside of them worked against them. USC watched Auburn finish that year unranked. They watched Notre Dame finish that year unranked and not even make it to a bowl game. They watched only one other Pac-12 team, Washington State, finish ranked inside the AP Top 25. Don't get me wrong. They should have been in there instead of Oklahoma. I, right. No doubt. But... Unfortunately, this comes down to the resume for me. If we're talking about who deserves to be called the definitive national champion, you got to look at resume. And I don't like the argument of why USC stayed at number one for so many of those AP voters. Because if the Trojans being number one before and after the bowl game makes sense, consider this. Why are you not evaluating the entire resume? Because if you were, you would have seen... the you would have saw the points that I just brought up right there. You would have seen the fact, too, that USC played two teams that finished with nine wins in the entire year. LSU ended the season with four consecutive wins yep. against teams that won at least nine games. They had five wins of that variety on the season. So if you're trying to figure out who is most deserving of being crowned number one, 
I give it to LSU. Yeah. And I do it because of the resume. And it's cliche to just sit here and say, yeah, the SEC was better, therefore LSU deserves the advantage. It's all those other things. It's all those other things all that we brought up. And it's not just as simple as being like, oh, well, you know what? USC won by 14 in their bowl game, and LSU only won by 7. So I guess I should just give it to USC here. You know what? I thought USC was the best team in the country before the bowl game. And you know what? They won in the bowl game, so I'm just going to give it to them. You can't be that lazy. If you're going to make a decision on who should win the national championship, you have to look at the entire season. You have to. That has to be at at the top of your mind if you are a voter, especially when there was so much pressure put on voters back then. And now it's kind of like when the AP poll comes out to end the season, it's like, eh really doesn't matter because we have a system that we trust more with the college football playoff in which we get semifinal games and we kind of got semifinal games without a championship and that's the thing that sucks about all of this because in my opinion yeah we deserve to see them play of course but if i'm asking to pick one who i think was most deserving to hold up a trophy and say we're the best team in america i give it to lsu I agree. I think it's LSU, and I, I talked you into it. Yes. Well, and I mean, like, so looking through this, looking through this, like, I, I really wanted to say USC at first. Um, it's just hard to to do that with any kind of reason, like outside of well, it's USC. They they didn't play. I mean, like, they ended the season on um, you know a really impressive note uh, with however many wins they had in a row. But LSU did the same thing. Like, they, they were so neck and neck on things that like all the arguments you would want to make for USC. It's hard not to make those same arguments for for LSU, or at yep. least similar arguments. And the fact that they played that many ranked teams, the fact that they played that many teams that were, you know, I think really, really good and, and consistently had to play those teams. Like, I mean, you talk about going two months without having to play a ranked team. Is that is that what we're looking for? Like, is that something that's, like, actually that impressive from, from a USC team? No, it's not. And they only playing before the bowl game two ranked teams, that's just – that's kind of garbage, in my opinion. So that's that's how I feel about it. And if we're going to base this, there are some people who are still of the impression, well, line them up on a neutral field and who would win. Yeah. But let's, let's just go with the preseason stuff. Let's just go with whatever we decide in the preseason polls because if actually playing the games and looking back at, at resumes and stuff like that doesn't matter to you, then th- this whole thing is dumb and we shouldn't be actually basing polls on who wins and loses. It should just right. be based on, on what Vegas thinks. And we can let Vegas decide who wins the national championship every year. That's why I don't like that argument because we're very oftentimes wrong when we predict games. Yeah. We're always well, and, wrong. And this is a consistent thing, a theme, too, that we keep finding is why is this team put in this position? Why was this team given so much benefit of the doubt? And a lot of it has to do with where they were ranked in the preseason. And that kind of sucks because, like, you know, I, I've always – I, I've never been a proponent of, of thinking we don't need polls until such and such game. I've never I've never thought that in my life. Um, I like preseason polls. I like having some tangible piece of of I don't know ranking to go along with like what games like why they matter and stuff like that. And I know that a lot of times in the end of the season they we look back at games that were you know like like you look at the the game that I think Bama played against Florida State where it was like one versus three and and it was built up all off season to be. What was it called again? The game is uh, best non-conference, opening. yeah, best opener in college football history. Right, and and I totally understand why there's there's things about games like that where you look back and it's like they don't hold as much weight as they would at the end of the season. Um, fine, totally get it. But like, I also think that in the beginning of the season when you're playing a, I don't know, when you're playing a team, even if it's like a a non-con game against a team that's you know pretty good or has some sort of like 
decent history with their program, it is exciting. Like, yeah, we're playing the number 11 team in the country or the number 16 Absolutely. in the country, whatever. No doubt. Um, like, you look at you look at LSU's uh, or, or USC's game against Auburn, and would that have been that impressive if they had gone on the road and beaten a all just an unranked Auburn team, 23 nothing, or was it more impressive because they were ranked such and such amount, like, or they were ranked, you know, in the top 10 at the time? Stuff like that, I I kind of tend to think that we we should have those rankings. Um, that's that's where I stand. Preseason polls are always going to exist for one reason and one reason only. They sell tickets. They sell mm-hmm. tickets. It's as simple as that. And if you're trying to figure out as a fan if you want to go watch this team play this team, if they're in the top 25, you make it a priority. You yeah. say to yourself, hey, look, let's let's make this happen. When we're getting ready to go to Auburn LSU and it's our first time in Death Valley, we're like, this is awesome. It's a it's a matchup of top 10 teams. We're that that's such a cool thing to be able to experience for the first time. And it meant a lot to us that we were going to get a, to see a game where even if Auburn, you know, didn't necessarily go to a New Year's Six bowl game or anything like that, at the time you get excited because yeah, if it's top 10 teams, it makes your game feel that much important. They've got a chance to beat LSU and that way if LSU somehow runs the table <laughs> and like you know, just like God forbid, then you your team says no, I'm kidding. That yeah. I, I agree, I agree. And like um I think that we do find ourselves getting into, into hot water with some of those, like, like I mean, the the worst all time is obviously the 2006 uh, Ohio State or 2007 Ohio State, like them getting to the national championship game, them also having the Heisman Trophy winner in runaway, runaway fashion is is still the worst one. 2006, of all time with Smith. yeah, yeah, no, it's 2007 because it was, oh yeah, 2006, you're right, you're right, because Tebow um, won in 2007, yeah, right. So I think I think that be wary of stuff like that for sure, but I, I will say I think that. Um, the way that this played out, I would take LSU. I would take LSU, and I would I would take them in a heartbeat. To be honest, yeah. I what I wish, what I wish we would see more of from voters is a willingness to not just look at what what did my ballot look like last week and yes. what did this team do. That's the problem that I have so much with polls, and I have no problem when the selection committee says that it is making an effort to wipe everything clean and look at the resume all over again and evaluate it in a totally different standpoint because if you just look at it from a week-to-week basis and you're like, oh, well, this team beat the number five team in the country. They should move. They deserve to move up eight spots for that. Like, that's just so dumb, in my opinion. And you get into... You you just get more and more deeper and deeper into your preseason thoughts when you're not taking a step back and evaluating anything. And I think so much of why this happened was fueled because of that and in a time when polls seemed to matter and they seemed like they were dictating a lot in terms of college football and also shaping what computers thought to a certain extent it just seems like some of these things can be avoided it made me looking back on all this stuff happy that we at least have a 14 playoff because yeah good lord did we need it so badly yeah, agreed so badly all right we are soon going to be going through a little bit of a shift when it comes to debates down south. Now, we are still going to be doing debates hold down up, hold south. Hold up, hold up, hold up, real quick. Because I'm an idiot and read this thing wrong, and I should have understood that we were not, we were going to be done here. Um, but real quick, when you brought up things I didn't know and forget, forgot until researching this, you know what... Or how many players were drafted off that USC team? Because we, we look back at that USC team, and, and since we know what happened the following two years, we think of it and, and hold it in really, really high esteem, right? Do you know how many total players were drafted off of this year's team? I, I'll, how many USC players were drafted in 2004 NFL draft and 2005 combined? Oh, 
combined, I, okay, I was coming up with just the 2004 number. If you just, just do that then. Do that. That's fine. Just 2004, my guess was three. One. One? Will Poole, I don't even know position he played. He was the uh, fourth round pick, uh, went number 102 overall. They also didn't have a single player drafted in 2005 in the 2005 NFL draft. It wasn't until the 2006 NFL draft when they had... What? Yeah, when they had Bush, um, Leinart, and Lindell White uh, all go. That's, that's, they didn't have anyone go 2004, 2005. So if it's, if it's an argument we're looking at and like, well, this team was, would be a lot better because they had more talent, that's not necessarily the case. 2005 had... Yeah, it had Mike Williams was drafted in 2005. They had, they had guys drafted in 2005. It says none here on Wikipedia. Which no, I'm on, I'm on Wikipedia right now. Mike Williams was drafted number 10 overall in 2005. You had oh. Mike Patterson was drafted number 31 overall. Sean Cody was drafted as well. All right, well, 2004, 2004. <laughs> 2004, just 2004. That's an interesting set. Well, now i got to look this up then if I'm uncertain about Because sometimes they refer to them as Southern Cal. Okay, you looked this up wrong. They de- they definitely people drafted in 2000. Marler, they I'm had looking right first, at it. They had okay. Look at 2004 NFL draft on Wikipedia. Just type in USC. Oh, uh, it's for first. It's for top five uh, drafted in the top five rounds. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you, all right. Well, let me start over. How many players do you think <laughs> were drafted in the top five? That's still that's still bad. I mean, like. If you're not having anybody draft in the top five rounds, it's not that much talent. No, they but did. Yeah. No, they did. That's that's. Where? What am I looking at then? You're looking at the wrong thing because they. Had, this sucks. I hate everything. <laughs> had, uh, Kenechi Udezi was drafted number twenty overall. Uh, All right, we're done had... here. We're done. We're done. All I had to do was say nothing. <laughs> All I had to do was say nothing <laughs> yeah, and move so on bad. to the next topic. And so I was like, oh, hold on, real quick, Connor. Hold on. Real... <laughs> you know, I think it, I would be re- remiss to say, uh, unreal. Oh, gosh. I think they did have three players drafted, too. It doesn't matter. I hate everything. (laughs) All right. As I was saying, Debates on South, we are going to be going through a little bit of a shift. And this is going to kind of transition us into actual 2020 football stuff. Pretty soon, we're going to be having Debates Down South related to actual 2020 topics. We're going to be talking about stuff like who's the best quarterback in the SEC, which SEC team has the best offensive line? We're going to go through a lot of different things. Who can be the first assistant of first former Saban assistant to knock him off? Stuff mm-hmm. like that that we will go through on a weekly basis so that we're not looking at historic stuff anymore because, hey, two months. Yeah, it's about two time. Two months. We're, it we're, is we're about time. There. We we are getting there. So we're going to be talking about actual 2020 stuff coming up very, very soon. We're still going to sprinkle in some it just meant more. We're still figuring out what our exact schedule is going to look like moving forward. We're still actually talking about this week and what we what we have to, to figure out in terms of uh, in terms of doing three podcasts a week. We're doing three podcasts a week for yeah. this week, right? Oh, yeah, because mm-hmm. you're going on vacation next week. That's what it is. Right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I'm getting 4th of July and, and, your, and your trip mixed up. Okay, so that's the good news. You're going to get three podcasts this week. You're going to get some current, relevant 2020 debate topics as well coming up very, very soon. We have so much great content right now on SaturdayDownSouth.com. If you are one of those people that's just like, hey, I realize this stuff is important. I realize everything going on in the world, it, it matters, but I looked... For, for sports as an escape. I just want football content. Yeah. We have a lot of that. I, I'm, We're finally going to do that. I'm not lying when I say we have so much football content up on SDS. 
All of our all of our writers have done a great job cranking out content. Marler's been crushing on social media as well. Yeah. Yeah, do, I think you're doing well. I think you're doing well. Oh, thank you. Actual football stuff. SaturdayDownSouth.com. I, I don't say it enough, but I seriously can't recommend it at a time. I can't recommend it enough at a time like now if you're just searching for football-related content. We have that because very soon these workouts are not just going to be voluntary. They're going to be mandatory, and we will be getting very, very close to the start of the season. So, yeah. until next time, um, who, who do we need to... Who do we need to single out? Laron Landry. You look like Laron Landry right now during quarantine. Every oh, thanks, man. I've actually lost like 13 pounds. You jerk. Like 10. Um, I meant that you've gained the, the arm mass, like Laron yes. Landry. Okay. I finally started doing push-ups again, which was good. I went like went for a long time without doing that, so that was probably not my best. Um, you single out. Let's you know. Let's single out every single draft pick from the 2004 USC football team, <laughs> and it might be too much. We will see you next time. Talk to you soon.